0: Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers. And from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. Welcome back to another episode of Cannabis Karaoke. And while we're on lockdown, I'm 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 making all kinds of new friends. Like I get all kinds of great people to come on my podcast now, and I'm super pumped. Uh, right now, I get to talk to Abdullah Saeed. He w- he's a TV producer. He's a host. He's a writer. He's an actor. Um, he co-hosts a podcast, a really amazing podcast, Great Moments in Weed History. He's co-writing a film right now with a buddy of his, Ben Sinclair, for Fox Searchlight and New Regency, and uh, he was the writer of the weekly column called Weedikit? You may have heard of that uh, if you were a stoner. And uh, last but not least, he was a host of Bong Appetit. Hey, man, we've been having some cool conversations in the background. I really, really appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, giving me some of your time out there in good old Palm Springs.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. My pleasure, Danny. So good to be here with you. And, uh, yeah. Crazy times right now, and it's it's really nice to connect with weed people uh, as much as I have been through all the digital options that we have uh, to kind of uh, express the solidarity. You know what I'm saying? We're all still homies. We're all still getting high together.
0: Yeah, just unfortunately, no passing the ditchy on the left-hand side anymore.
1: <laughs> None of that, no. But a lot of personals, which frankly... I was already on board with you know what I, mean? right. I like smoking my own
0: <laughs> now you don't feel bad about bogarting it. you just say, nah, dude, sorry, Covid remember we're not going there again, <laughs>
1: exactly, um,
0: you know it's funny we we haven't known each other too long, but uh we we hooked up at the Emerald Cup. you were doing um some hosting there for them, yeah, and uh you know we were it was just about time for me to go on and interview the uh the infamous tommy chong which was a the legend i if, met
1: him there man that was a, that was a, that was a great moment in weed history for
0: me <laughs> we can get him on that sh- if you want him to do that we can definitely facilitate that
1: oh that would be so cool just I'm be sure prepared bro it's like mind.
0: it's like walking on ice with that guy sometimes you know he's all over oh, yeah. the place <laughs> yeah he gets in there bro he's an 82 year old man that don't give two fucks about anything he's ready to go and he'll That's talk awesome. about whatever you want dude he's I love working with him, man. That was a great interview we had. But we got to chop it up backstage a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about you know, because you're a varied guy. You've got quite the past um, in cannabis, and you've been part of some pretty heavy hitting, you know, uh, journalistic things or you know shows, however you want to classify them. You worked with Vice. You, you're writing a show. You got a com- You're a comedian. Um, mm-hmm. Hosting cannabis events. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, what's what's yeah. your thoughts on that?
1: So it has been kind of a newer chapter of my career, you know, in cannabis and sort of an unexpected one. You know, I started out as a journalist, a columnist, and then, you know, moved into doing TV production and hosting. Even in doing that stuff, I mean, you know, I I really look at it as the making of content. And the fact that, you know, I made myself into a cannabis significant person almost feels like a Accidental byproduct of that or something I, I just love to smoke weed, you know what I mean And then I, I think like getting to do it on camera uh, Getting to sort of spread that You know, the, the love of cannabis among people You know, I, I feel very, very fortunate, dude Because like, you know, I, the way I like to describe it Is that it's like I have a little flag on my head, right That only stoners can see To any person in the world, you know I'm just a guy at the fucking supermarket you know, there's,
0: there's a stoner right there
1: yeah totally and it's like you know and and people like i feel so lucky that stoners are excited to see me you know what i mean they're excited to meet me and stuff and that has sort of led into doing a lot more events meet and greets like hosting stuff like you know just being present at cannabis events and you know like i every time i do it like at emerald cup which was very very fun i love working with those guys it really is a great event and you know i'm just stoked that we have an awards show we have like a nice well done like good looking event you know what i mean uh that we can all go to and i really like kind of being there you know hosting is one part of it getting on stage making jokes and like you know making everybody feel welcome and comfortable and and all that like i really love that part of it i really love uh walking around and meeting people you know what i mean meeting weed people at, at emerald cup I got to hang out with people from Alaska, people from the Northwest, people from the East coast, people from other countries, you know, who are all there. They had all seen some of my content and it resonated with them because they're stoners. And now here we are standing in front of each other. This is the only place where I can show up and meet all these different people. Um, and I think I get a lot out of it. I I think, you know, like the people I meet get something out of it and, It just is all around. It's a really positive thing. It's something that I'm leaning into more now, doing events. I was talking to a few different places about uh, going to, you know, do hosting and meet and greets at these big cannabis events uh, until this whole coronavirus thing happened and shut everything down. Definitely hurt my... like you know hurt the bank for me for a little bit too.
0: you and everybody else man it's like yeah it's exactly
1: this, it's like that a table
0: a... reset you know people someone just came up and cleared the table while we were sitting down eating dinner and yeah, now we're trying exactly. to pick up the pieces
1: yeah the game of risk that we've been playing for the last Fuck. like couple of decades has been wiped off the board <laughs> now we gotta it's like somebody
0: over. walked in the room and tripped over the power cord and just <laughs> yeah. boom, everything. Exactly. And they're trying to find the plug to plug it back in, but it's dark and they can't quite figure out where to plug it back in. Um, Well, that was a great PSA for Emerald cup. They should be stoked on that. Um
1: oh, yeah, true. I, I love
0: those guys, bro. I, you know, we have worked with them for the last couple of years, probably three or four years, pretty solidly on filming and just, you know, getting more and more involved every year. And, you know, it's, uh, when I first started going to the Emerald cup, I've, I've been really good friends with the guys that, you know, have, for decades now that have been doing it. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, it was just like a, just kind of like a little festival, you know, and it's just slowly progressed to what I would consider the Mecca of cannabis. Like if you are in cannabis, if you're a, it'd be like, it's like the grateful dead of cannabis. Like, you know, people come from all over the world to go to that show three days before Christmas. I mean, it's, it's whole design was based on, you know, honoring the outdoor grower and kind of, so that's why it's in December and, But, but it's really, really turned into something that's, you know, the best music, the best guests, like they got people like yourself coming through. I mean, it's just really a, I I don't know if they expected it to get that big. I think they just kept going harder and harder. I don't think they had these ideas of grandeur. I mean, I don't even think they make any money doing it because it's such a humongous event and you're, you know, kind of playing against the weather and whatnot. But it is a, it is you know, to your point, even being somebody that's been in cannabis for quite some time now, like when I go to the Emerald Cup, it is a chance to kind of be spiritual. It's kind of a chance to meet people that that aren't there just to make money. You know, yes, there's a traditional show atmosphere where people have booths and, you know, they're hawking their wares. But at the same time, it's a chance to really get down and just, I've made some really, really valuable relationships, you know, out of, yeah. the, out of the parties at the Emerald Cup.
1: Yeah, man. And, you know, it, it's interesting. Like, I, I really, I think when I go to cannabis events, I just feel at home and I feel like I'm, you know, among my my people and, and all all that stuff, right? And it was interesting. I don't think I ever truly appreciated it until a few weeks ago I, I went and did a shoot uh, with my friends at uh, Network, a company, a company called Network, uh, N-T-W-R-K. And uh, they did, a, they set up a shoot at uh, Juggalo Weekend. Right. It was like an insane clown posse show. Oh. Right? And, it's, and, and, and if you're familiar with that world, it's very like, you know, cult following, really dedicated diehard fans. Did you paint your face? And, yes, I did. I no, mean, I you like did it. Crazy outfit, paint my face, did it all. And it was, you know, we were shooting something. So it was like, That's you rad. know, we were sort of doing stuff for the camera. But then in the process of it, I was like, oh, all these people, you know, they chant like family and stuff. And it's like I don't totally understand the aesthetic or the you know, the music or whatever, but I recognize like the like the the, the kind of like uh, acceptance, you know what I mean? Like the, like they all just fell into like they were like, this is our world. And I realized that I don't notice it because I'm so far in it, but that's what cannabis world is like. To some outsiders, it might seem kind of esoteric or like a little weird or confounding. But to us, it's home, you know what I mean? Like, we show up here and we see people that we haven't seen in a while. I realize that. I saw juggalos seeing each other being like, oh, I haven't seen you since the gathering of, you know, 2020 or 12 or whatever, right? And, like, it's truly like that. I think how remarkable it is that I can go to a cannabis event anywhere in the world and walk around and I'll probably run into somebody I know, either through the internet or in person in some capacity, like... That's our world. You know, that's our cohort. And being an Emerald Cobb, it makes me really happy. Or, you know, any other cannabis event, really, that's that's well done. It makes me really happy to just kind of exist and be reminded of that, you know?
0: Well, yeah, and I think <clears throat> just like the Juggalos, cannabis kind of gets a, an unfair shake. You know, you, you hear about yeah. the Juggalos and everyone's like, don't let them have a party here. They will break everything. Yeah,
1: they're a gang.
0: Yeah, right? And, <laughs> and in reality, they're just a bunch of people that all it's kind of like a church, you know, it's like back to being spiritual. I mean, churches are kind of built off the harmonization of all the people's energy in one building, going the same way, singing the same hymn. There is a power about that. And I think to your point, what you've been kind of stating is cannabis has that frequency that it's just, nobody's posturing at a cannabis show. Like I've uh, occasionally run into that dude. That's our girl, whatever. That is like, They really think they're the expert in the space. Everybody has them, you know. But for the most part, everybody's just cool as fuck. No one's really tripping. Like, everyone's, hey, want to smoke a joint? Hey, come on in. Hey, nice to meet you. Like, it's a really – if you can enjoy it and let your guard down and not be afraid, you don't have to do – you know, smoke all the weed. You don't have to get super high. Just go check it out, man. It's like it's it's really is – that comfortable feeling I agree with you when I when I step on the grounds at the Emerald Cup every year right prior to starting I'm like man I'm home I feel good here you know yeah so man like,
1: like my uh, my girlfriend is not a pronounced cannabis person you know uh, she's from California so she's familiar with cannabis and cannabis culture but she came with me to Emerald Cup. And that, that's kind of, a I think, an interesting experience of the Emerald Cup is to, like, roll with me. You know what I mean? And, like, walk around and, like, you know, like, everywhere we go, people are like, hey, what's up? Like, I want to get high with you. You know what I mean? And she had a really good time. She doesn't usually smoke in public or when we're out. You know, it's usually, like, a home thing. But there, she was, like, hitting joints. We were hanging out with uh, with Bean and Stock and with Elise, and we were, like, all getting high. And I was like, oh, th- that's great, like a person who's outside of his culture can kind of like step in and, and live it and experience it. And you know what I mean? Like walk in those shoes a little bit. And she really liked it. She was like, she had a very positive takeaway from the whole thing, you
0: know? No, I've definitely heard that from other people that, you know, it was their first time at the cup and this last cup, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the year before we had like Portugal, the man as a, as a performer. So we had some heads. We had, you know, I think Doug Doug Benson was there, Jay and Silent Bob, right. But this year does have this like I, I don't know if it's because they did that stage, like in the middle of everything. Last year every all the performances were done in that big kind of pavilion, which is a huge pavilion, you know? Um yeah, yeah. which if you don't have a lot of people following so like if we would have been in that huge pavilion while we were interviewing Tommy, it wouldn't have been as impactful as it was being right in the middle of like everything that was going on. So they I think they right. paid really close attention to how they delivered things. I mean, I know when we were on stage or you were on stage or anybody was doing anything on that stage, it was being piped around to the rest of the um, event through different video monitors so that it was right. There was like a whole like kind of atmosphere that was created this year. That was just the next level. And and it's going to be interesting to see, well, hopefully they can have it this year, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see like where it goes. Ironically. And then I want to switch gears. Ironically, we were, my buddy Jordan did a little Instagram live with Tim Blake last night. And, uh, it was, it was just, it was just them two chilling, you know, maybe 20 people were watching, but Tim talked about, you know, the cup and what's next. And, you know, they, he leaked out that they're looking at doing something in Southern California. And I think they could really take it to the next level. I mean, look, man, God loves Santa Rosa, but they don't have enough hotels. They don't have enough, you know, restaurants. There's really no nightlife. I mean, everybody's charged up to leave, the Emerald Cup and then the Flamingo Hotel was where everybody ended up. You know, and it's <laughs> like
1: place, the Flamingo Hotel, man. That I, I definitely I'm like, it's it's definitely like families were there for like I don't know what the other tourist attraction oh is in Santa Rosa, but it's definitely like families looking around and being like, what the Fuck, weekend did we pick the dude? Here? <laughs> I keep expecting to
0: come down one of the hallways and see the you know, a, a scene out of The Shining with the two girls or something. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. it's like that, and it's got this old kind of school nostalgia feel. And you're right, dude. There was, you know, we definitely the at the end of everything, there's always a couple after 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 parties. It took me about two, right. and, a, two and a half days to recover after those, but they, um, <laughs> you know, you're you're literally getting kicked out of rooms because you're next to somebody that is not happy with 400 people packing into a room and playing trance at the top of the, at the top of the volume, you know? And so it's just, (laughs) um, it would be interesting to see how, how it morphs into a SoCal event. You know, I know he's always going to keep it as a NorCal event, but I think Santa Rosa is, unless they, I don't know how much bigger they can actually go up there. You know, it's it, that was.
1: Yeah. It's true. And I think there's a lot of people who won't go, who won't travel past a certain distance you know it's what up I mean? there like, I bro think, like it's it's up there yeah. to get
0: there you know luckily you can fly into santa rosa now and you know we were able to get tommy in on that airport but it's oh, not
1: nice
0: not easy to get up there man
1: yeah, man, and, and also there's no flights from Burbank to, to Sonoma or to no, you gotta fly to oh,
0: San Santa Francisco Rose. and then still drive two hours. Yeah, know?
1: I was like, forget it. Like every time I looked at the options, we were like, <laughs> um, I think it's quicker to drive six hours. They're all the like, Goodyear
0: blimp will drop you off if you if you book <laughs> book a seat on the Goodyear Blimp, they'll circle over and you can paraglide into Santa Rosa. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've been working on something that I think, I don't know, I, I feel like you have some passion in it. I can hear it when I'm listening to it, but great moments in weed history. Oh, you do yeah. it with a guy that's his, he goes by the name bean. Um, yep. talk about, you guys have good chemistry, by the way, like, I, you oh, know, you. part of having two people together is being able to play off one another and know how to counterbalance. Right. And yeah. so when I'm listening to you guys, um, it's, it's really fun to listen to the banter that goes back and forth and in its audio, right? Like, I don't know if do you guys do some video stuff with that.
1: Uh, you know, we occasionally will do like a video promo or something, but right. it is, it, it's really all audio. You right. know, that show, we both started that uh, together because we wanted to do something independent, like completely, right? So he was at High Times for many years. Um, and, you know, I was at Vice for many years. We both also did work for, uh, you know, each other's respective uh, publication. I wrote some stuff for High Times, being produced uh, the, the web series of Bong Appetit. Um, you know, th- and we worked together a lot. We've known each other a long time. Like, basically, we met in 2012 when I had first started doing cannabis journalism um, at Vice. It was like that was when I created Weedeket. And then he had been in the trenches for a few years, so, you know, I, I got to learn a lot from him. He told me all kinds of interesting shit. And really, the show stems from those conversations, you know? It's, like, where he's, like, telling me about stuff, for, you know, from the days of yore. And, you know, I I've, cannabis has been a really deep interest of mine for a long time, you know, like, when it comes to the uh, ancient cultural history of it and other parts of the world, South Asia, you know, obviously I'm, I'm Pakistani, so that is is a really important uh, you know, important information to me uh, You know, so it's like I was always able to kind of react uh, With those insights That come from that, right? And and that's really what the show is When we started making it, it was like Let's do something that is by stoners for stoners No vice, no high times No fucking company No, you know what I mean? No, No bullshit, let's just make something that You know, why do we love cannabis? Why do we think it's interesting? Well we're endlessly fascinated by these stories, you know, by by all these stories in cannabis history that just, they blow your mind. And they also illustrate these other points of, you know, humanity, of of, of human civilization, of politics, of culture. So, you know, that's how it started. We did one season independently, and then we've, uh, you know, had a production company do our uh, second and third seasons. Third season is currently airing. I think our second episode just came out yesterday. And yeah, I mean... It really, it's, it stays true to, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the idea that, um, you know, good content is, is all around you. You know, it's like whatever is real, whatever is authentic, uh, you know, if you put that out to the world, uh, that's probably what's going to make for the best content. And the conversations that we have on that show, they're very real. Like, we are actually just sitting there getting high together. We're two friends. We're both very, very passionate about cannabis. And we, you know, share things about it, you know, being researches the stories. Uh, I've researched and written a couple of the episodes. Sometimes we do like a switcheroo. Um, he's very, very well versed in like the last century of cannabis, you know, of cannabis politics, especially in the United States. Um, you know, I, I have a, a, a good breadth of knowledge when it comes to like the ancient history of cannabis. And we kind of, uh, you know, we just have a good time and do it, and people listen. And I'm I'm very thankful for that.
0: What's the um real quick plug? I think Stitcher is the best way to listen to that.
1: Yeah, it's on Stitcher, Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, Apple Podcast. Okay, uh, it's it's on it's on all of them.
0: All right, so people, while you're listening to this, and you know, because everybody's ADD nowadays, go ahead and <laughs> take a look while you're listening to us on your phone or in your house, and go take a look and and make sure you you go. Subscribe to Great Moments in Weed History because I I like listening to it. Well, comedically, I'm a you know I, <clears throat> are you are you familiar with the term chuckle fucker?
1: Yes, I am. Okay, so apparently <laughs> I'm
0: a chuckle fucker, and uh, because I, I did, did radio for t- I good. got Ungayo uh, granted me that that name, and so um, I you know I did radio for a bunch of years, and we would have comedians come through all the times, as well as like mm-hmm. r- rhythm hip hop you know artists and i was cool yeah. with the music side of it and whatever i love music i love all genres of music but i just for me like i i really like the challenge of comedy and people getting up on stage and playing off the crowd and and yeah. just performing you know oh,
1: and I so <laughs> lot,
0: i though. i track you know people i like i remember when joe coy came through for the very first time and fluffy came through for the very first time and these guys were you know playing san jose improv which is a small little vaudeville kind of Venue like maybe two hundred people, you know, and um, Mm -hmm. not always having success, you know, or testing out their the material for a a Netflix episode or whatever, you know, and yeah. So I just really like like comedian based stuff, and partly for the comedy component, but really for the interaction with the crowd and you know just how they pace and and everything about that. Anyways, so in listening to what you guys are doing, you get a you get a combination of uh, comedy because there's a little bit of comedy in there, and then uh-huh. the information that you're bringing to the table is, you know, it's super. I don't want to say uh, or over it as like super informative, but it's like very interesting. You know, like your oh, latest one is Little Women Get Lit, and it's all about, you know, the high power edibles back in the day. You know, and yeah. <laughs> nobody's nobody's really nobody know. Like so many people think, but now cannabis just showed up. Like, all of a sudden, yeah. it's here, and it's like, yo, dude, this shit's been on since, like, we've, like, started. Pretty sure oh. God God put down a plant on one side, and he put down the hemp plant on the other side, and he told Adam and Eve, don't fuck this up, and they oh, proceeded yeah, totally. to fuck it up, you know, and oh, so... Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's true, and it, it, it is really, like, um, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people, if you ask them, you know... Like, I did a video recently for this company called BSA, right? Which was like, why is cannabis illegal? And I answered that question. And a lot of people, if you ask them, you're like, when did cannabis become illegal? And they're like, oh, I don't know, like forever? Like the Bible? You know what I mean? Like people have, <laughs> They have no concept of, you know, how we got here. I think th- that's another thing that as a cannabis person, I feel like, you know, we as cannabis people, we tend to look at the larger picture you know, we probably have done some psychedelics as well that, that kind of, you know, help us take a step back and be like, wow, you know, let's be inquisitive. How did we get here? You know, what's going on? A lot of people don't ask those questions, you know what I mean? And it's like, when we look at cannabis, like, this is literally something that was used across the world, including in America and in the West as a medicine until the very early 20th century. And then it's like, there was like, it's, The the prohibition of cannabis is actually just a tiny blip in the like since nineteen thousand year history. It's like barely fifty years old. Oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and it is like it's like eighty years old about, right? Eighty to ninety years old. And like But Nixon really Nixon
0: came in really hard and then I think Reagan Nancy Reagan just drove the nail through the coffin with her Dare program, which Oh
1: yeah. Uh, totally. And then actually, you know, looking at that, like Bush won and Clinton kind of continued the war. Clinton drugs, was the worst you know? about
0: it. He like put that yeah. uh, punishable by death over, oh, like, yeah. I think, a, is course, it like over 900 plants or what's the cap on it? Like, oh,
1: yeah, I forget what it was. It was there was like a, a, a poundage or something. Of, I think like, it was like 99 which,
0: pounds. If it went to 100 pounds yeah. or something, you were
1: punishable by death. Yeah, and and there was all these like kind of very racist, uh, you know, uh, changes to, like to, to the policy. Of course, mandatory minimums were introduced in that era by none other than Joe Biden. Yeah, <laughs> of course, and, and like you know, it's there's a, there, there's definitely a lot of uh, kind of fucked up history there, and people don't think about it. People don't think about how we got here. You know, even now, when you hear a politician say we need more research, that's a tactic. That that's totally like, you know, we would have more research if the same government that prohibited it hadn't barred research into it for the last five decades. I you hear know what I when mean? I hear
0: someone, yeah, absolutely. When I hear someone say we need more research, what what I hear is I need to figure out how to fucking make some money on this before it goes yes. any further.
1: Oh, exactly. That's or all it, it is, keep, you know. Yeah. Or how to keep using it as a tool of oppression You, you know, like We think about You know, w- when we look at the prohibition of cannabis A lot of people think it's about the cannabis It's really more about Social control You know, in a lot of ways It's like the police use Suspicion of having used cannabis As a tool To, to search somebody and to detain Especially somebody if you're a person of color.
0: color
1: Oh yeah, exactly It happens way more to people of color and I mean, you know, now, thankfully, those things are starting to change. But look, like just a few months ago, uh, you know, in Austin, Texas, uh, you know, like they decriminalized cannabis and the sheriff did a press conference. He was like, I'm going to keep arresting people. And, you know, and like that's like, oh, wow, the police arresting people for laws that don't exist. Right. For bringing laws that don't exist. In fact, in New York City, the same thing happened under Giuliani, because in New York, they decriminalized weed back in 1977 in the state. And yet, the NYPD continued to like paddy wagon motherfuckers just for smoking weed on the street or whatever. It's like that that shit was, they were breaking the law themselves. You know what I mean? Oh, dude. All Um,
0: those, I mean, half the reason why those guys don't want it decriminalized because then they can't just take people's weed for themselves. Like, they got to now pay for it like everybody else, you know? So. Yeah, and it, it sure. does happen a lot more, you know, uh, in neighborhoods that are, you know, lower economically driven that are usually people of color. It's the way we've systematically yeah. set up this country to take advantage of people. But it, it is unfortunate that even in these days, I think I saw a clip the other day about some dude was like sparking a joint in New York and just got the living shit beat out of him by like two or three cops for absolutely oh, zero reason. Man. You pull kids out of a car, you don't need to slam them on their face because you smell weed in the car. You know what I mean? Like it's unbelievable. The amount we we don't do enough. I don't want to tangent off on cops because I respect cops. They have a tough job, but they don't get enough training, man. Like it's, we need to train them more to be a little bit like, you know, it's kind of like bar fighters, right? You always know you could take a swing, but like you should exhaust all the other efforts before you actually take a swing on somebody. You should. Try to talk to people. You should. I mean, I and I get it. Sometimes you pull people out of the car that are multiple murders. Plus, they have the weed. And I, I get it. You don't know what you're going up on. But if you're going up on every vehicle, afraid, like you might not want to be a cop. Like you might need to take yeah. a different approach. You know what I mean? And do something Seriously. that doesn't make you so afraid. You know?
1: Seriously, bro. Sorry, I'm just taking a little dab while we're. <laughs> Uh, great this is Bro. gonna go
0: really interesting now <laughs> yeah no
1: man this fucking uh, so I, I have a puffco peak here which was it was a gift from uh from roger who is the the head of puffco that's and it's rad really cool yeah it's like a puffco's really are red yeah dude they're, they're fucking fantastic and like, they're the I,
0: only portable dab rig that people just whip them out you're like whoa there's a dab rig all right, I let's Dude, go.
1: I swear, we we got down here, and I didn't bring my dab rig or anything. And you know, I like we were watching a, a Tiger King in bed. And oh I my god, this thing! How was that right? movie? Uh, it's, or, yeah, it's, it's an it's, episodical it's thing, a but series, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a limited series. Uh, it's it's very like Florida. It's like Florida man stuff. You know, it's like yeah. the most ridiculous shit you ever heard. But it it does start to grate on you after a little while. But yeah, I I just like I just sat in bed and clicked this thing twice. I made like a little cocktail of hashes and put them in in the the reservoir, and I just hit it like a bunch of fucking times. I was like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever! Right? Like, they
0: had they definitely <laughs> stumbled upon a pretty amazing device, you know, to because usually you have to break out the freaking crack, crack torch and you got all these uh, things and a nail and there's this a whole yeah. it's like a it's a little bit of a ritual to do dabs sometimes. Like it's not just pack a bowl and go. It's like, it's a 10 minute setup process. Oh um, yeah. And th-
1: the biggest problem with that process for me is that the torch is loud. So you have to, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, pause the show. it's like, it's like, I'm constantly like having to pause the show so that I can heat up the nail. And if I'm with my girlfriend, she's like, are you fucking serious? You're going to pause the show again. And then it's like the process, to anyone looking at it it's ridiculous it's like it's watching like,
0: someone masturbate almost
1: yeah right and it's like there's a very it's uncomfortable like, yeah and there's a very brief period of satisfaction
0: that comes with it. <laughs> oh my god so before we jumped on um puffco that's a great device get one people um hopefully there will be yeah. a sponsor later uh so shout out,
1: Roger, yeah.
0: shout out to puffco man i love those guys um we were talking about content and like delivery and, you know, everybody being locked in their rooms and going on Instagram. Like I literally mentioned to you before we jumped on this interview that I can't even open my, my Instagram without just being hammered by accidentally hitting someone's live broadcast (laughs) while I'm like trying to search through my social feed. Um, we were talking about how this is changing. You had a little, you had some stuff that you were talking about as far as, you know, content manufacturing, how people are doing it. Do you remember talking about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is it is really a, a strange time. I feel like we're putting to the test all these uh, platforms that, you know what I mean? Like we'd certainly used before, but now are much more reliant on. I mean, you know, before like it, doing Instagram live or doing Zoom chat, it was like a functional option that you had. But A lot of times you would, you know, not necessarily Do that, I mean, it's good for those Places, I feel like Zoom has really Risen to the top by just being Functional, because think about this, man You know how frustrating it is To have, to be, like, talking to Someone and have, like, the video glitch Out, or, like, be like, oh wait I lost you for a second, like, you know Zoom definitely, like Functions a lot better And I feel like this is the trial by fire For all these platforms, like Instagram, for example, has a whole lot of glitchy kind of things. You know what I mean? That I couldn't do, even like, see Tim Blake's
0: someone... face last night on the Instagram live because it was so oh, really? it was blurry. Yeah, yeah. Dude,
1: that was a, I, I was doing a live with Roger, and and it was like I was getting all pixelated. And shit. I saw that one. Were like, yeah, yeah, and people were like getting annoyed. They were like, yo, your internet connection sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like I, I feel like it really is a, a moment when. Those things are being put to the test, and also that it's it's funny if, if you're a person out there and you were like, I want to do a podcast, but I don't know what to do. Now everyone's just getting on, regardless of the fact that they don't know what to do. So like now is the time to get on the air and fucking test it out. You know what I'm saying? Because like literally, there's nothing stopping you. Everyone else is also sitting at home. Wait, why you? It has created. Made a content creator out of everyone. It has also created a super content consumer out of everyone. You know, so it's like. I know
0: my screen time's gone up. I got the notice the other day. It's all you have 173% more screen time than last week. And you're like,
1: oh, yeah. Of course. I'm a loser. And and your phone doesn't know you're cheating on it with your TV and your computer.
0: Right. And we are totally (laughs) like, I mean, it's. I don't. I think part of the problem with COVID, right, is that nobody. In fact, I talked to someone last week and they're like, there's just no way the whole world can shut down, man. There's just no way. And I'm like, well, we'll, we'll fucking see right quick here if it's going to shut down like we think it is. And yeah. for the first time ever, like, you know, I went surfing yesterday and there's still people out, but not as, not very many, man. It's kind of weird. You know, it's like driving on the 405 with nobody in traffic. It just not, it doesn't happen, you know, ever. Right. And yeah. so. You, you know, what used to take a 20 minute trip takes me six minutes now. And you're just thinking like, how can society, in addition to people, now everybody thinks they're a content manufacturer, you know, and everybody thinks that they can go IG live and IG T V and, you know, do podcasts or yeah. whatever, but not everybody can, not everything's entertaining, but, but you're right. People are consuming a way more content now. I mean, think about if you're Netflix or Hulu or any of these, you know, what a great time, for them to capture an audience when, you know, people were looking to cut the cord on cable. Now, you know, I saw a meme the other day that someone posted, they're like, finish Netflix, which what's next, you know? And literally people are, (laughs) are binge watching stuff. You know, everybody's gym. It's going to be like new year's new year's day. When, when everybody comes out of this thing, the gyms are just going to be, like the next business to invest in because everybody's gonna come out drunk and fat you know and oh
1: yeah it's so true man and, and also it's it's weird like I feel like society is gonna be fundamentally changed because like who's gonna shake hands with anyone now
0: or give hugs yeah.
1: or give hugs I, I think hugs are dead forever
0: jeez that's okay. sad
1: yeah yeah I haven't physically touched a person besides my girlfriend this whole day it, it's it's so crazy we were talking about this the other day we're like we literally you know, like it's, it's it feels so crazy. There's people out there who are not touching anyone at all. There's I know single people hold up in their homes, and there it's you know human touch is very necessary. Yeah, you know, human it, touch is, is if you need it.
0: I've gotten a couple messages from people where they're like, "I'm low key freaking out right now." <laughs> because yeah. because I can't do tender, I can't do match, I can't do any of the ones that I normally did. I can't even go casually go on a date. I think you're going to see a lot of people, you know, marriage and and not to get too, you know, you do a history show. So I'm going to do some history real quick. Um mm-hmm. marriage has always been like historically a fundamental need, right? It's it's only in yeah. the last 100 years that marriage hasn't been a fundamental need or not even 100, right. maybe like 50 years, right? Like before right, this it was right, like right woman, find man, man, take care of woman, woman, serve man, man, do what he wants. Right. And that's like what it's been for ancient, you know, till ancient times. Right. It's always, you got that vision of a caveman dragging the cave woman by her hair. Right. And so (laughs) that's what it's been. And in the last 50 years, between whatever reason, we have more people that are Coming out in the you know as gay or whatever and not doing the same sex, so procreation gets thrown out the window and it's more about relationships. But mm-hmm. it's uh, up until recently, like there's people like yo, I'm just gonna be single, I'm cool, you know, I don't need to do anything. But now they're like, shit, yeah. I should have, exactly. I should have got right. a spouse, you know.
1: <laughs> right now, the incels are like, ha ha ha. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're like, this is what it's like. This is what it's like for us all the time. But yeah, it evens the playing field <laughs> that way. For There's sure. going to
0: be, I mean, dating sites, gyms, and you know, people going to AA are the things that we're going to come out of this, this, oh, this COVID virus up. thing. So, investment tip from myself and Abdullah: go ahead and invest. We're starting a gym together here. After we yeah. do the show, and we'll get we'll be looking for some investors. So if you want to invest in a gym, <laughs> yeah, we'll be good to go. Sure. Um, so what's what's next for you? I know you're writing a movie. You want to talk a little bit about that? Like what?
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm writing a movie uh, for Searchlight and New Regency with my friend Ben Sinclair, who's the co creator and star of the HBO show High Maintenance. And uh, yeah, it's it's actually something that we're you know uh, we came up with like a couple years ago, uh, and then have been kind of like trying to, you know, get a, a draft of the script out for a while. But you know, it's like he lives in New York, I live here. It's, you know, he has his show year round. Like I'm busy with my shit. It's really hard to get the time to do it. And now suddenly we have nothing but time to rush. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's kind of an it's it's kind of a remarkable thing that we suddenly are able to work on scripts and and that, you know, as well as a couple of other ones I've been working on like that script and it's, it's been a great, like, kind of like moment of, of creative energy. Like, I guess that's a positive byproduct of this whole thing is that, you know, you're always, I feel like as a writer, you're always trying to get shit out of the way so you can sit down and write. You know what I mean? And now I have the time to do that. It's amazing. I'm very thankful.
0: How does, how does that happen? Are you guys just, <clears throat> switching documents back and forth? Like how does one go about writing bi with somebody on a, on a, on a project? Yeah.
1: So essentially like, you know, we work together for sure. Um, you know, like pretty often, like we would like have a couple weeks or have like a month or something to, you know, be in the same city and work together. So actually he was in LA at the beginning of this whole thing. And we worked on this, you know, the project for like a few days, and then, um, you know, then we've been in quarantine in our own homes for like the last little bit. But, you know, it, it's still like we managed to get quite a bit done. We kind of like are working on separate parts of it at the same time. Um, and that, yeah, I mean, like so far so good. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it is amazing uh, how much you can focus when there's nothing else going on. When, you know? And
0: you don't have a name for it yet, right?
1: Not yet. There's a couple working titles. I don't want to say either of them because we don't know what it's actually going to be. But I can tell you that it's a it's a prison dance film.
0: What? What? How? That's did, right. What is that?
1: Uh, it's a it's a dance film that takes place in a, in a prison. Mostly. So it's like a musical. It's not quite a musical. It is like a dance film, like almost like uh, you know, like
0: like, uh, like hairspray the
1: streets, yeah, <laughs> like. No, well, Hairspray, I feel like, is more of, like, there's, like, songs, right? Like, we don't, okay. we don't none of our characters are actually singing. Okay. They're all just, uh, you know, they're dancing. They're speaking through their movements, you know?
0: Got it. And do you know when, yeah. like, any sort of ETA and when you guys would potentially be looking to, to get, I mean, I know some of it is based on the creative flow and when you feel like yeah. you've got the finished product. But do you guys have any sort of timeline on that, like, or how do you put a um, timeline well, on something like that?
1: I mean, honestly, right now, we're just looking at the script and being like, let's get this done, Um, you know, as far as actually, like, productions, who knows, you know what I mean, at at this stage, uh, you know, shit could be held up for a while, so I don't know when it's actually going to get made, but we're, uh, you know, we're at least on our way to to having a complete story, you know, which is is really exciting, it's something that we've been kicking around for a little while, um, and... It's a really fucking fun story, man. Like that much I can tell you. It's 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 as wild as it sounds from the premise.
0: That's rad. Like and and what like being a comedian, you do you know? Like you were saying, you you struggle to find time to write. You had mentioned that this is a good time. Like, are you besides working on that project? You had mentioned you got some other stuff. Like, are you truly like some people are locked up right now? Like as far as their creative flow, they don't they they need interactivity and to be out there doing stuff. And they they had a very scheduled kind of process that they were able to sit down and write. Now they're like, fuck, I can't do anything. Like, do you find that right now you have, you're like pretty motivated to write?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I, I, you know, the comedy thing is, is sad, honestly, because it's like, I was uh, really kind of getting my momentum back. I've only been doing comedy for like about a year and a half. And because I, you know, do a lot of other stuff, uh, it's a little hard to like get the momentum going But yeah, I was really in a moment of doing a lot more comedy and kind of building it up So the fact that that's been stunted I feel like I have all this creative energy that's got to go somewhere uh, Another thing I'm doing is I, I report for KCRW uh, That's the, uh, LA's NPR station So I report on cannabis topics for them So I've been doing a couple of stories like, Do you I have to have be one... super
0: serious for that?
1: Um, You know what? Not super serious. But not I, campy, know, like, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, you know, like, when you think of me, you know, and, like, public radio, you know, it's kind of like, wait a minute, how does that goofy stoner guy play on public radio? But, yeah, I mean, you know, like, I, th- they definitely are very welcoming of my voice, which I really appreciate. I report for a show called Greater L.A., so that covers all, like, topics from, you know, Southern California, like, uh, like, la city basically and the surrounding areas so you know there's a lot to talk about in terms of cannabis i did a story where i went to a sesh you know a lot of people uh in la uh are you know not necessarily familiar with the fact that there's a very large unlicensed market for cannabis you know what i mean Mm
0: -hmm. that's ongoing like a little speakeasy uh, where you gotta like go through a series of people to get to one of those
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it's like you have to know somebody who knows somebody. And, you know, like uh, because of the work I've done in cannabis, I'm able to get access to things like that. Sure. And it's, you know, it's interesting to me that, you know, the reason I like doing these stories, right, uh, is because, you know, there's a lot of people who live, who are the public of Los Angeles, right? The people who this radio is for, who have no idea what's actually going on in their city. You know what I mean? That's, it's really important to me. To speak to everyone in L.A. to be like, this is a cannabis city. You know, this is a place where a lot of people, right, have cannabis as a regular part of their lives. And yet on in public media, we don't hear representation of that. You know, Ken Burns did, did 20 fucking hours about the origins of jazz. He didn't mention weed even once. Wow. Like, that's on PBS, man. Like, that should be telling the truth. It should be telling the whole story, sure. but it's not. And I, and I really, you know, it's important to me to fill those gaps. That's another reason we do great moments in weed history. You know, it's, it's to like to preserve the history, to report and preserve the history that is will otherwise be forgotten or at worst, uh, you know, stricken from the record. A lot of places just completely ignore. I mean, look, Louisa May Alcott, Little Women, right? Like you'll hear a lot about Little Women. You hear about, oh, it was autobiographical. It was her life. But you won't hear about the story she wrote that was all about uh, a young woman taking hash candy at a party and then getting lost at sea. You know what I mean? Like all stone. Like that really fucking happened. And for someone who writes autobiographical like kind of a narrative stories, like, look, we're talking about a majorly influential American author from back in the day. Right. Who was getting high on cannabis? No one's ever going to tell you that. No high school kid is ever going to read Little Women and get that piece of information, right? And it's it's relevant to a lot of people. To like, you know, th- th- there, is, th- there is an endless supply of kind of tidbits and stories like that, and I think it's really important to get that stuff out there, you know?
0: Well, <clears throat> first of all, two-thirds of the cannabis business is being done in L.A., so that's number one. And then number two, yeah. you know, we've long since uh, decided to paint you know, history in its best light, you know, versus what really took place. I mean, yeah, I see, you know, I have a 12 year old and I'm, you know, going through his history and it's getting better. But to your point, like people leave out the salacious stuff or the stuff that they feel would turn people off. There really isn't um, a direct hit on what things were really all about back in the day. And I think that, you know, you do have a good voice, you know, your delivery of, content and everything it's it it you're well suited to be exposing these historical um events in a fashion okay. by which people are like willing to hear it you know what i mean if if you were there's 99 uh, of delivering anything is the person delivering it and if the person delivering it the content doesn't hold water if the person delivering it isn't worthy to listen to it's like the guy right. from masterpiece theater i didn't even like half the shit that he would do but i just love hearing him talk you know and so it's, it's nice to see someone like yourself who who could just take the high road and do comedy and, and not have to really get deep. But you're getting deep, and you're bringing something to people, and I, I want to thank you for that. And then the last thing oh, – thank you. Ah, No worries, dude. And then the last thing I want to ask you is before we wrap up, mm-hmm. all these people doing live shit, like the one – like you could do a live acoustical jam if you're a musician, and you could do some other yeah. – but the second you try to do comedy over these things, like Ooh. how – how do you do it? Yeah. You need to play off the crowd. You need to hear laughter. Otherwise, yeah. you don't know if your jokes are hitting. So, like, it's even worse for comedians because there really is, even though you guys have tons of content, it's hard to get that out there by yourself with mm-hmm. no nobody really in front of you, right?
1: Yeah. So th- that is something I have not yet tried. I do not want to because it sounds like a bummer. Ugh. You know, like, a, a big part – I definitely, you know – I commend comedians out there who are trying to push that format because it's the only choice we have right now. So I'm I'm glad I really wish there was a way where you could actually hear the laughs. Like, I feel like if Zoom can put together a, a version of their platform where you can hear people laughing, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, that would be huge. I Honestly, I, I mean, th- that would be fucking fantastic. If you could hear people laughing, I, I would do it. You know, I, I would be able to deal with the two to four second delay and, you know what I mean? And, and like, just, just work that into like how I actually do, do you like Bob jokes. Hope
0: delivery. You just wait until somebody actually yeah. laughs or not, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny. I, I don't really do jokes like that, but, but then I think, you know, no matter what comedian it is, you, you end up having moments like that where it takes a second for a joke to click. And, you know, it's like, I think that that is actually a viable option. I certainly don't wanna get up and do jokes without hearing people because it's like unless you're doing like one liners, I just can't imagine they would work. Also, watching, I think you do need to hear a live audience laugh when you're watching stand up comedy. I think there's a reason that, you know, when you see like stand up on TV, it's in front of a live audience. It's not just a person talking to a camera. You know what I mean? So, um, even it, then it loses
0: it's, its, if you're not, I mean, I go to as many, in fact, when we get off air, I want to find out where you're, when down the road you would perform or where you perform. Because I, like I said, I, I've gone to some like really, really small shows and I've gone to some really big ones. And mm-hmm. for me, for the, for the spectator, you know, for the person that's there to watch the comedian, I think you need the audience there for you too. You know, it's kind of mutual. It's not just for the comedian. It's also for the person watching because we're all kind of going to get triggered by somebody else laughing at something that we may not have thought was funny at first, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's weird that we have to adapt this art form to this new thing. You know what I mean? I I imagine that it'll get easier. I imagine that it's like it'll get better. I have nothing but faith in the ability of humanity to generate more digital conferencing platforms. You know, <laughs> so like, I imagine that it's it's gonna happen um in the meantime i'm gonna wait i am definitely bummed out that i can't do stand-up it's something that i get a real rush out of it's a relatively new part of my reference bar but it's it's really important to me i was just getting in the swing of things ah, i actually have tape from like a like a couple of shows that i did that i might just release you know what i mean like like a 10 minute set that's filmed well just so that I have some. Where did you, you know do? I mean? Where
0: did like, you do your set at?
1: That one, the one I'm talking about, was at Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, it's a great venue. It was a uh, Nick Coacher's show. Yep. Uh, Everything's great. Um, and yeah, and and, and it was uh, it, it was like one of my better sets. Um, I performed with, with a, a couple of really awesome comedians there. One of the dudes there was Whitmer Thomas, who has an HBO special out right now, but that guy is funny as fuck. Um, yeah, and I've it, 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 just had like a really good set, and it was filmed. I, I think it was filmed well. I, I still am waiting for the guy to send the footage. I do have another one from my boy Neil Nanda's show at Westside Comedy Theater that was a good set as well. I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm looking at all this tape I have of stuff, and I'm like, is once you're sitting around a house enough you start itching to like release things, you
0: know? No, I'm looking forward to seeing you do some stand up and I just want to tell you you know, you've given me now almost an hour. I appreciate your time. We can oh, obviously pleasure, chop it up forever about stuff, but why don't we uh why don't we wrap it up and then like let's like make sure people know where to follow you on Instagram, um, and then the website yeah. for the, or where you can find great moments in weed history. Let's yeah. just give a little reminder to everybody. And then, then we'll go back to locking ourselves up and doing dabs.
1: All right. Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah. So, uh, you can follow me on all platforms, uh, at I'm your kid. That's I M Y O am K I D. I'm your kid. And, uh, you can find great moments in weed history, On every platform, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever you want, uh, you'll find it there. And you can follow us on social media, that's at G-M-I-W-H podcast, uh, on everything, and on Patreon, Uh, and yeah... in this time of uh, of solitude, listen to some great moments in weed history.
0: We'll definitely make sure to point some people that direction in the blog that I put out with this. And like I said, man, thank you so much for your time. And uh, Thank
1: you. I dude. look
0: forward to hanging out with you again and, and watching yeah. you do some stand-up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, dude. I'll talk to you soon.
0: That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cannabis Karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, CannabisKaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the Book Your Interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke. Grab the mic and tell your story.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.